Handcrafted and proudly built in the USA with no corners cut, B-Pro Kennels put your dog's safety first as these kennels are made with high-grade, lightweight aluminum and built with a rigid frame similar to that of a roll cage. Designed and built with the hunter in mind, the kennel provides ample storage for all of your gear. Keep your guns, boots, vest, collars, and other items in the secure, lockable compartments conveniently placed at the top of the box. This is not all. Did you forget to charge those collars? Or are you on a hunting trip and need power source? The B-Pro Kennel has you covered with built-in solar power to charge all your devices when you need it most. Lastly, built-in LED lights keep your tailgate bright during those late nights, allowing you to easily put away all your gear without the need of headlights, headlamps, or a flashlight. Check out more at bprokennels.com. This episode of the Flushman Dustin podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready, reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the US of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H-U-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. That's huntready.com. This episode is also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. They're focused on the safety and comfort of our hunting dogs. We personally carry the Gundog Outdoors first aid kit as it has all of the items that we need to keep our dogs safe in the event of an injury. Be sure to go check out gundogoutdoors.com and use code RINGNECKS to save you some cash. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushem and Dustin podcast. Tonight, we have Christy Langston on out of Southern Missouri. Are you a University of Missouri fan? Tigers? Yeah. Is that who they are? No, they're uh, Bears. The Bears. So there's Mizzou. That's up in Columbia. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, and then the rest of us uh, that weren't the cool kids, we went to Missouri State down in Springfield. <laughs> so. Nice, we, were, nice. we were bears. We were MSC bears. Yeah. So, yeah. So awesome. But Christy, uh, she has the pointing pig photography. So she's uh, got those, the camera and lenses. Uh, she's also started a Spring River kennel. Uh, so she's fresh into that and just getting rolling with, with all that business. Uh, but Christy, if you want to introduce yourself and then we'll uh, take the conversation from there. Yeah, so my name is Christy Langston, obviously. Um, I live in Mount Vernon, Missouri now, which is in Southwest Missouri. I'm originally from Central Missouri, from a very, very small town. Um, I always like it when people say they're from a small town because I'm like, how small is small? I graduated with 20 and I'm from a town of 200, so we're small. Yeah. So I, uh, anyway, I got moved down to Southwest Missouri. My husband is originally from Southwest Missouri and we met in college. And so he moved me down here and here we are. Nice. Nice. Have you been in uh, the photography game for a while? Or how so that started? I started off in college as a hobby. Um, I actually bought my first little Canon Rebel. I think my like second year of college um, because we were waterfowl hunting quite a bit and I just wanted to start taking waterfowl pictures. Uh, I absolutely suck at it. I'm still pretty well suck at it. So um, you're self-taught. You're self-taught then. Yeah. Oh, very self-taught. Yeah. I've never taken a class. I've, I shoot full manual. Um, but if like someone was to come up to me and ask me like, what's your ISO, what's your F-stop? I'm like, it's these buttons. And I know these buttons because I've messed them up enough times that I've got it right enough times to figure out the in-between. So self-taught, um, obviously if I could go back and do it all over again, I would take some classes on it. Um, I was an ag student. I went to school for ag marketing and uh, it's funny, they added a communications major in ag like the year that I left, which I would have loved to done because that would have gave me my photography but I just picked up a camera and I started uh shooting dogs and then 
it's kind of I mean, a long she means weird the story. Guys, not, yeah, not yeah. Dogs. So, but it's kind of funny because uh, I didn't start family photography until about five years ago. I was an ag teacher, and um, kind of how my kennel got started was because. I was an ag teacher in my hometown. I loved it. I was going to stay an ag teacher the rest of my life. And then my husband got a job offer and in Southwest Missouri. And he said, you know, if we move, I'll let you stay at home with the babies. And we moved and I stayed at home with the babies for about a month before I went crazy. <laughs> I'm not a, uh, I'm not good at sitting down. I'm not good at, uh, I don't know. I'm not the Pinterest mom that I thought I was going to be, right? We're very outdoorsy people. So basically, um, I asked my husband to build me a kennel and he did, and he let me purchase a couple dogs. And that's kind of how that all got started. But also I started shooting family photography as a side hustle yeah. and it's become yeah. a full-time business now. So yeah, there's a, there's a lady that my wife's actually good friends with that she is a self-taught photographer and she was a um, pharmacist and quit yeah. being a pharmacist and now is full-time photography. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's, you know, obviously a pharmacist gets paid pretty yeah. damn well. And uh, to be able to give that up, you know, and go full-time with that. And she's like, I just like it way more than being a pharmacist. And so, yeah. You know, it's, and I've replaced my uh, teaching salary, which which wasn't a whole lot anyway, because I was in a very rural school district. But how I've many kids did you places. have in those classes? Um, <laughs> I think my biggest class was always my freshman classes, and those were only like maybe fifteen kids. Man, um, that's crazy. I think I think Jesus. the biggest class I ever had was 20, 20 kids. Yeah, but you obviously wow. like ag wasn't like they got to choose whether they were going to do ag or not. Yeah. Um, and FFA, like it was all one thing, right? So like I was an FFA teacher and, and all that stuff. So yeah, was an FFA small classes, it was school. fun. Yeah, we butchered chickens a couple of years in a row. My <laughs> principal was super, I think he was worried PETA was going to show up at any moment. So yeah. How'd you guys go about butchering them? We did the whole thing. I got uh, eggs, we incubated them. We had the chicks there at the school for a while. And then I took them home and raised them up. And then when it was time for them to be butchered, I just, I had my husband make a kill cone. <laughs> and this is so awful. Like someone's <laughs> going to see this. Call well, no one's going to actually see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so um, he, I put the kill cone on a, uh, a post out back behind the school and brought the chickens. It was the second to last day of school when we always did it. And I made the kids, you know, cut heads and, <laughs> dip in uh, boiling water they had to de-feather they oh, had yeah. to do the whole breakdown of the chicken and then we had a big chicken fry and Shit, that's, awesome. that's awesome yeah yeah so it was fun it was always a lot of fun there was some kids that didn't handle it well <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like if you did that in a bigger school <laughs> you yeah. would have parents oh, being like what are you no, doing it would have happened. i think the only incident i ever had during those couple of years that we did it um I did have a kid cut a head and it flopped out of the cone and it ran and it hit a propane tank and bl blood splattered everywhere <laughs> oh it was awful and there was just blood it was just a bloody scene so that was the only mishap that that happened during the butchering process <laughs> that's hilarious yeah sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so you guys moved down to southern Missouri and that's uh I, is that where you first got into dogs or what was your stepping stone into uh dogs and then you run NAMDA as well right mm -hmm. yeah right, so, so can you talk about that progression yeah so my stepping stone into dogs was actually my husband purchased a lab um he's still alive he's 11 this year and I mean he's he's gonna he's gonna go hunting he's in great shape um, if you'd seen him, you wouldn't think he's 11. He doesn't really have a lot of grain. Uh, he's a big lab. He's a, he's, his head is the size of, you know, a basketball. Uh, like he's diesel. definitely, yeah, I would call him a goose dog for sure. Yeah. Like that's his MO, right? Um, so he was kind of my stepping stone into dogs. Uh, I just, I, I love him. I love 
it's fun to work behind a dog that loves their job. And we're big waterfowlers. That's kind of um, what we've done the most of for, I mean, I've been a lifelong hunter on deer and turkey. Um, basically, you know, since I was a little kid, uh, my stepdad took me for, you know, ever. And then uh, when I started dating my husband in 2009, I think we started waterfowling uh, with his group of friends. And uh, so the lab was kind of the stepping stone into that. And then when we moved, I was looking for a breed that was versatile, that was healthy. Um, you know, I do feel like there's some issues within the labs uh, as far as hips and all that yeah. other stuff goes. I wanted, um, you know, something that was kind of going to be the do-all dog and uh, also had good, you know, I looked at things like with whelping, was it going to be an easy whelper? Um, because I did want to get into breeding and I just kind of settled on the short hair. Um, you know, I felt like it was kind of the jack of all trades. So I bought a couple short hairs. Uh, I learned some very, very hard lessons early on about finding a reputable breeder, finding people that just don't blow smoke up your ass. Um, and I've really tried, I'm still trying to learn more about pedigrees and lines and like, you know, within a breed, you seem to have like these sets, right? Like everybody has a venue that they run, like the field trail dogs or um, even the tracking dogs or the NAVDA dogs, um, AKC dogs. They're all kind of in their little, there's different pedigrees that like you say a name and you're like, oh, that's a NAVDA dog. Or, hey, that's a field trail dog. Um, so learning about all of that has been uh, a hurdle because there's not really like a, a roadmap to it. Um, I will say that one of the short hairs that I purchased at first, I ended up having to give rid of her. I gave her away as a pet home to a guy that has a big farm and she's in a great home now, but uh, she ended up not being a bird dog. She was just awful as a bird dog. Uh, not the drive, terrible tail set. Her eyes were just bright yellow. I, I just didn't know what I was doing. Sure. Um, but I learned a lot through that process. I also just like basically lit my money on fire and watched it burn. <laughs> so, yeah, it was also yep, fun. Dogs expensive. <laughs> yeah. So, um, another dog that I still own that I absolutely love. Um, you know, I bought her from a guy down in Southeast Missouri and he's been great at supporting me, um, through anything that I do with her. He, he always wants to know, uh, but one of the things I asked him when I bought her was, would he mentor me? And he was super nice about it. He said, you know, I've, I've had some family conflict come up mentoring in the past and I'm just not going to do it or like totally fine. Yep. So I was looking for someone to mentor me to find someone who could like maybe hold my hand through this. Um, and I found out, yeah. you know, it's not really a surprise, but not every breeder wants to help another person become a breeder, right? Because that is your competition. Yep. Um, on the flip side of that, I found NAVDA. Um, and I joined my local Missouri Uplands NAVDA chapter. And I did find people that were willing to mentor me. Um, the president of our chapter is Fred Rice. He's been a lifelong breeder for 25 years. Um, he has helped me immensely and I appreciate everything that he's done for me as far as like breaking down dogs and he's been around long enough that you can ask him like, Hey, have you seen this dog? Do you know this, these people? And he can explain things to you. Um, he also has the breedmate program that a lot of breeders use to look at coefficient and, yeah. uh, really break that down. And he's helped me with that, helped me learn the program because I don't know if you know anything about Breedmate, but it, it's like, I think it would be funner to just smack myself in the face with a brick. Like it's just not a <laughs> user-friendly at a, all. Yeah. No, at all. Like at all in my mind anyway, I guess yeah. if you're a person that like loved Excel and got off on those type of programs, it would be for you. But like, to me, it's just not a it's just not a user-friendly thing. Not only that, you kind of have to have a database 
in it to pull to make a pedigree. Oh, yeah. So it's just it's like a lot. Um, but I know that there's people out there that are like, oh, now the dogs, you know, they're bootlickers, they're this and they're that. And I definitely have seen some bootlickers, you know. Um, I've also seen some bootlickers in AKC. And I also learned what a bootlicker was because I had one there for a while. Um, but I have also seen some really great dogs in NAVDA that are still well bird dogs that people still well bird hunt outside of testing. And I think that to me, um, you know, what I want to build on in the future is a wild bird dog first, and then a dog that can handle the pressures of testing second. Um, because my heart is, I mean, what's the point of having a bird dog if you can't hunt it? Um, agree. Test it and train it. And agree with that. Things, but, yeah, but like the core of it should always be, in my opinion, hunting first. So that's kind of where, where, where it all boils down to, I guess. And yep. I, I love to travel. I like adventure. Uh, my husband is obsessed with maps. Um, and it's funny. Like he will watch maps? a duck hunting show. Oh yeah. He'll sit there and watch a duck hunting show and he'll be like, you see that power line over there behind those guys? I'm like, I, yeah, we're watching a YouTube video. I have no idea. He's like, see the power line? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you see this tree over here? Like, yeah. He's like, he'll zoom in on like his Google map. He's like, they're right there. I know where they're at. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's what Tyler does. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Funny story. They're going to listen to this, which is so one of our one this group so we're going to wyoming which everybody that's listened to the podcast knows to save your house we have a group and he took a a video of um a brooded pheasants on the side of the road you know and is like oh this this public spot that we went to last year was so good it looks like it's going to be good again and uh I was just like, and he said the county that it was in, and I was completely yeah. joking around. No, like no idea where this place is. And I go, oh, is it next to such and such Avenue? And all he put was a laughing face. And I'm like, it's gotta be freaking close to that. So I did my little research, Google maps. And I, there was a house in the background. I found the house and I was like, I got to see where this, if this avenue is even close. And I scrolled down the map and it's literally like two county blocks down. And I was like, no shit. He was, I was just completely Found making it. up a name. Like I just yeah. said it for the hell of it. And yeah, he's like, he never, I never, he didn't, he just put a smiley face and never said it. They don't, they don't know until they listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully funny. they'll actually not listen to this episode. Cause it would be funny to <laughs> take a Fine. picture later this year and be like, Oh God, this house does look familiar. You know, and send it to <laughs> well, him. You but... always got to be careful. You always got to be careful about the signs in the background. Yeah. And I guess if you're someone that my husband watched, don't have a power line in the background <laughs> over yeah. a marsh. Oh, that bird yeah. usually sits there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it awesome. is funny. But, uh, yeah. So it looks like you also kind of maybe have you, looks like you've trained maybe some friends dogs or some other dogs and brought them through a NAMDA test no so no so I have um well I ran a UT test on one of my dogs that I yeah. own and long story short um uh, I basically fucked up her duck search there's like no no like good way to put it besides that like I learned some pretty hard lessons on training um and I kind of learned that if you ask advice, uh, you don't have to take it all <laughs> from so many different people because everybody yeah. has a different method. And I really just royally confused my dog by trying to do what too many, I had too many people tell me to be, do too many different things. Um, so basically, because of then that, we failed our, yeah, we failed our UT test. I did end up um, I do have a proud moment with her though. I went wild bird hunting with her in Montana and then the next weekend came back and I finished up her master hunt title. So nice. I was able to do that. And 
everyone was like, do not wild bird hunt her before, you know, you go back and try to finish her master hunt title. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to take my dog to Montana and not hunt. Um, so it, yeah, it was probably risky to do that, but I was, I was very proud of her ability to transition back into, um, the testing format. So I, uh, I went and I titled my black lab diesel. He sounds a lot like your guys is black lab, big blocky head. You better duck yeah. dog and do stug than pheasant dog, but kind of that way. And, uh, I actually had him trained by some trainers and I showed up and was running them and he passed everything in him everybody was trying to give me all this advice and I'm like only thing is you guys don't know I'm already getting trained so leave me the fuck alone (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting you know everybody knows everything now yeah do it this way do it this way and if you're somebody that's new to the game it's very hard to distinguish like what is advice and what is good advice and not every dog is the same right like certain dogs handle certain pressures differently. And I do think there is something to be said about knowing your dog and understanding body language of your dog and being able to read when your dog is not handling a situation well. And also, you know, I found that when we were doing duck search training, I would get so frustrated and I was putting a lot of emotion into it because I just, I wanted it to happen, right? Like every other aspect of our training was perfect. And the duck search training excuse me, it started off really well. And I think I just expected it to just happen. And it, and then when it didn't happen, I got panicky and then it just kind of really went downhill from there. So it was a learning experience. You know, I take a lot away from it. I, I want to try it again. It's What's your, something that, what do you think is the hardest part of the duck search? Like the hardest part of training to it and I guess it just depends on the dog. So for me, this particular dog, she loves to swim. Um, You know, I took her through force fetch and I did it myself, which I learned a lot through force fetch too of she can handle more pressure than what I thought she could. And I I ended up uh, fixing some like things that I had holes in my force fetch and I, I went back and fixed those. I guess my hardest thing was, is I started off doing it one way and then I completely switched how I was doing it and I really shouldn't have done it. I should have just stuck with what I was doing, stayed consistent and not gone over here and had this guy tell me to do this and then just think that that's how I should do it. Um, So I don't know. I there's a lot to it. I feel like I should have just stuck to a plan. I should have made a plan and stuck to it and been consistent. And I didn't, I got in the middle of it and I took advice from too many people. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe I should do it this way. And then I completely confused my dog and I made the whole experience a negative experience for my dog instead of what was supposed to be like a fun, independent exercise of like, Hey, you go out in the marsh, you have fun. You do, you go find me a duck or go look for a duck and um you know have fun while you're doing it and enjoy that job and it's funny because now I've created this issue right if I get her down to that water that we trained on she instantly gets to the shore or to when we come up to the bank like where I would send her from and her whole demeanor changes she's a she's just a completely different dog because we've had very bad experiences there Um, And I say very bad, like, it's not like she's drowned or I beat her or anything like that. It's just, none of it was good. I should have just stuck to a plan and executed. Yeah. So moving forward, I have had, um, kept a puppy from one of my litters and I, um, natural ability tested her and she did really well. She, uh, got a 105 prize one and I had no intentions of selling her. And some guy called me from Oklahoma and she's in a really great home. I ended up selling her kind of kicking myself a little bit for it, but it's, it works out. He's a hunter. His uh, dad had some failing health and he wanted to get his son and his dad in the field for the first time this year. And he couldn't take a puppy. He needed something that was ready to go hunt. So, so yeah, I did that. And then um, 
I currently have a dog that I also natural ability tested this year. Um, we're waiting for bird season. I can't wait to get her on birds. She's 10 months old, I think. Um, and yeah, and then I have my two older dogs. One is, uh, let's see, Annie is three and Raven is four. So Nice. Well, do you guys have any big trips planned or what's your main species that you chase in, down in Missouri? Yeah, so, well, around home, it's, I call them nature Waterfowl. walks. Yeah. <laughs> for quail they're just nature walks we just don't have the quail population yeah you'll hear them yeah you'll see them and it's like it's like seeing a shooting star it's a pretty oh, rare wow. occurrence um so usually if I'm at home and let's say you know I take my kids to school I will uh I might take the dogs for like an hour walk I usually won't take a gun um sometimes I do sometimes I don't but to be honest I've never shot a quail within an hour of my house. So, oh, geez. Yeah, it's just not. They're they're here, and I have seen other people shoot like one during the seat during like the whole season. Yeah. Um, but it's just not the population just isn't here anymore. Now I've gone to North Missouri. Uh, proud to say that I got my pheasant limit one year. Nice. And, uh, which is, uh, I guess cool. I don't know. I don't know if very many people hunt pheasant in Missouri, but it was basically up on the line. So I feel like it's cheating. <laughs> um, but yeah, Montana, going to go back to Montana this year. Went to Montana last year, spent a week out there. I've never been so sore in all of my life. My poor dogs were beat up, but man, we had that trip was, that was an awesome trip. That's a trip that'll make a bird dog for sure. Um, yeah. Just up and down all the coolies and the big flat tops. It was beautiful. So going to do that again this year. Uh, I'd like to make it back to South Dakota. We usually go do that for about five days. And then uh, we usually try to make a couple trips out to Kansas. We'll see How far are you guys I from Kansas? Like... Do what? How far are you guys from Kansas? So I'm actually 45 minutes from Pittsburgh, Kansas. So basically the Kansas line is just like 45 minutes away. Um, it's not too bad to get into central Kansas. It's like six hours, I think, uh, from here to like central ish Kansas. Yeah. And then we have hunted Western Kansas before. That was pretty cool. Um, but that was a heck of a drive. So, but I feel like last year when we went to Kansas, it was like hunting in a, just a dust cloud. You'd get done at the end of the day and take your socks off and you just had a line of dust and it was crazy to wake up and there not be any frost on the windows, none on the grass. Just, I can't believe how dry Kansas is. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me like they've also had another dry year, which sucks. <laughs> yeah. We're going there in December. We're kind of, yeah, it, it'll be interesting because everybody's like, they haven't had rain. They haven't had nothing, you know, and then we were, we were planning on going to North Dakota originally. And then since we're going to Wyoming, we're like, oh, let's take a trip that the second trip, let's keep it closer to home instead of another, yeah. you know, 14 hour drive. And now we're kind of kicking ourselves because all the talk up there is they've had enough rain for the hunt numbers and Sharpies and everything are bounced back this year. So it's like, damn, maybe we should have kept yeah. the original trip plan, but I still think there's probably we're, we're going just like right south of Iowa. It's like we're staying probably four and a half hours, five hours from Des Moines, which is where Nick is from. So it's not like it super far into yeah. Kansas. So we'll see how it is uh, far in enough the, in the northern far end. Um, but take it from there. And, <clears throat> I don't know. Hopefully well, we'll get into quail. Yeah, everybody kind of talks shit on South Dakota, right? Everyone's like, ooh, South Dakota. Yeah. But South Dakota was like my first real upland hunting trip was I planned a girls trip and um my great dang growling. Sorry. <laughs> my cocker is an rush. Come here. I also have a cocker that nice. is a little psychopath and she likes to lick the inside of my great dang's chops and it's just <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway i feel like a lot of people are like oh you know 
South Dakota, it's like this generic place to go. You know, everybody goes to South Dakota. And I do feel like there's a lot of lodges and preserves on South Dakota. Um, but also we went that first time, I planned a girl's trip with a bunch of my friends from like one of my friends from Florida, um, another one of my friends from Louisiana and a friend from Missouri and the girl from Florida's cousin. We nice. no idea what we were doing, <laughs> no idea at all. Um, we went up there and we did all public. I did have to make a couple phone calls because day one did not go well. Day two, I made a phone call to my NAVDA president, oh. Fred, and I was like, dude, I said, these people are depending. We, these girls are we've depending. had that happen. <laughs> yeah, get on birds. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, he knew a guy by the name of Matt Judges that was out there hunting, and Matt gave me a spot to try. And, and then the things started happening. So then we got into that spot, got some birds, and I'm so thankful to Matt. And then we tried a couple other spots, and um, – and it just it finally ended up working out. But now, so the last, last year, we went up there. And, of course, they did all the emergency hay. Oh, fuck. That so was horrible. If you don't like to walk in fucking cattails, you might as well just not go to South Dakota. Because you will not get a pheasant unless you get in cattails. Yeah. And there, there was one time I thought, this is how I die. Like, I'm going to die in a cattail suit. <laughs> We so walked a mile, mile and a half long cattail slough. Oh. Ton of birds, ton of birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the farmer, he's like, yeah, I call it, he didn't call it the Bermuda Triangle, but it was uh, oh, the Triangle of Death or something is what he called it. He's like, most, Very fitting. most guys that come out here, they don't finish it. And we're like, oh. it can't be that bad. And you get into it, and it's just like grabbing your ankles I mean, the whole time. Not, not, not finishing it wasn't even an like a question. I was, gonna, I was gonna yeah. finish that wall. Here. It's not like we're seven. If there's years not old. a deer trail, or if it hasn't been burned in like the past however many years, there are some of those that are uh, they're impossible to walk through because you're kind of walking on top of like three foot of cattail, and then. You drop through. It's just awful. So two years ago, I got a cattail stob in my ear and oh. brought me to my knees. And I had a, a big girl moment of some tears. And I was like, and I could hear one of my friends, over, are you okay? Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So that was on, I think like day one or two of the trip. And I was trying to play it cool. Like, you know, my ear hurts really bad, but I'm, I don't want to like go to the doctor. I'm fine. I don't want to be a pussy. Like it's good. So go through the whole trip get home. And I finally told my husband, I'm like, I gotta go. I like have to go to the doctor. Something's not right with my ear. Get to the doctor. She's like, Oh yeah. You have a perforated eardrum. You have an <laughs> ear infection. You have a hole. And I had to do like all these special eardrops and yeah, it was Jesus. Process, so that was not fun. And I don't recommend That's wild. getting a cattail stop in your eardrum. <laughs> we did yeah. last year, Nick and his wife invited myself and my wife down to the Ozarks and we have a dock <laughs> that has a diving board off the end of it yeah. <clears throat> and everybody's doing flips. So I thought, Oh, Maybe I'll try like a one and a half flip, being an idiot. And I landed on, I think it was my left side. It was like smack the water. And I'm like, my ear hurt. I came up, I was like, my ear hurts. Horrible. And the whole night I'm like, it felt like water was in it. So I'm just oh, like God. sitting here like this the rest of the night, even like the rest of the trip. And I get up in the morning and I had, there was blood on the pillow from like drainage out of my oh. ear. <laughs> and then we so we went and I was thinking well maybe there's just a bunch of water stuck in it you know so I went and got that dry or that is it swimmer's ear or something that's supposed to like dry all the water yeah. out and it like crackles yeah. but then it was like super painful when I put it in and yeah. I never did go to the doctor to see if anything was wrong with it but yeah I was like oh my god wait a first night I'm rest of the week I'm like son of a bitch I can't hear anything out of this and that was yeah, you probably had a perforated eardrum probably did yeah. probably still yeah. has issues it, it was it was worth it though it was worth yeah. it <laughs> yeah they were just making fun of me they're like oh, it's other of you shaking his head <laughs> okay. 
fucking pussy is what we're saying <laughs> yeah Jeez, get over it we're drinking beer here come on yeah it'll be fine just pour some beer in it not yeah yeah speaking <laughs> of you touch base on your cocker does it always jump through yes part of that tailgate yes. the where the wire i got so much hate on my social media for that video i had to delete so many comments really? i have talked so yes I've taught that cocker. So her name is Rush. I love her. I am slightly obsessed with her. She's just the funnest thing ever. She's a little ball of fire. Um, but I taught her to jump on the front of the tailgate, you know, just no big deal. Load up right here, just like all my dogs. That dog will not load up on the front of the tailgate. She always loads up between the tailgate cable and she hits it just right every single time and it doesn't matter if it's my truck somebody else's truck she's just like right through it and up on the tailgate so i don't like what were some of the hate comments oh like oh that's a great way for her to get hurt oh that's how they get a mouthful of barbed wire oh that's (laughs) uh a lot of it was like you're just gonna let your dog get hurt Um, yeah and it's just like man you know if she's She's fine. It'll be okay. I promise. You can see the stuff I let my kids do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think right? that's bad? Yeah. Yeah. Let them be but, kids. Yeah. So she's, she's this is, fine. Uh, good time. This is my newest addition. I like that. His name is Jet. Jet. I like it. Yeah. Get those eyeballs. He's a, he's a, he's, he's a poodle pointer. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh. So... Have you done much research on them? So actually, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a guy in our chapter, in our NAVDA chapter, uh, his name's Chris Donzi, and he has uh, a really nice poodle pointer named Remy. She got a, he UT'd her, and then um, I think he's got a litter of puppies right now, but uh, she's uh, got a slip coat, but she still kind of has the the beard up front. He will too, based on how his parents look to the yeah yeah and we actually have another family the mathis family and um they're like the whole the whole family always comes to all the training days they're badass family um but they have poodle pointers as well and they let their daughter uh run the natural ability test with one of their poodle pointer uh puppies and it was it was fun I, i got to walk along with my camera and she did such a good job and um I really, I really enjoy that. I like seeing the kids out in the field. I think that's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I take him. I mean, I've taken him to work with me. I travel for sales and take him yeah. to farmers market. He's a pretty calm boy, and everybody, I'm like, oh, nice GSP. I'm like, no, it's poodle pointer. What? Yeah. So you just bred a poodle in this pointer. I'm like, well, it's a hunting poodle from you know way back. It's now it's national line. Right. And just, right. it's you know, hard to explain to people it, it is hard to explain yeah. to people if you don't look at the lineage of them and whatnot right and i wanted right. something unique and i only know one person that has one so i was like yeah, yeah. are you gonna join are you gonna run navda that's what we're talking about now i have uh the person that i know she might she's a female and she wants to maybe breed them so i'd have to run yeah. that and then yeah. uh, the natural ability and then you ut test as well so yeah yeah so yeah that's that's in the works i did it all with diesel so we'll we'll see what he can do he's got a he's got one hell of a fucking nose on him i can tell you that there you go that's what it's all about that's where it starts yeah that's that's the fun stuff to see when they start picking up on little things i love the puppy stage i mean i I don't know if i said this he's 13 weeks right now so Mm -hmm. yeah very nice. These old, big old paws. Long, like, oh yeah. <laughs> so you got so to tell us. My cocker turns oh. one the end of this month, so I'm gonna have a. She's gonna be a real dog. Do you take her out upland hunting? Yeah. Um. So this will be her first real season. She obviously got to go for some walks last year when she was uh little and um but i've had her on birds i do plan to akc test her um for flushing and and that's kind of a, a different world i went to a couple of flushing tests uh this year to kind of uh, see what they are uh very different 
And so, yeah, I do plan to do that with her. We've been working on uh, our whistle sits and our overs and backs and um, here to heel and stuff like that. So she picks up on things so quickly, but it's just a matter of like getting her to focus. It's like, she's so excited to work for you and do something. Um, but I love her and I bought her, purchased her after I'd hunted at, um, behind her mom. Uh, my good friend, Aaliyah Marco lives up in Nebraska and she owns, um, her dam, uh, catch is her name, that dog's name. Nice. And we hunted together a couple of times and I don't know, after seeing that cocker, like get in all the brush piles where, you know, the short hairs couldn't go and that cocker just tore up that field and I think one of the coolest things that happened um we were hunting a it's like a field and it came down as real thick cover right there at the bottom of this field and Aaliyah was on one side and I was on the other and my dog Annie was on point in between us and I couldn't really get to her um so Aaliyah was getting to her and Aaliyah couldn't quite get there so she released her cocker catch and uh catch flushed the bird Annie stood there steady don't know why I mean she is you know trained on steadiness but she's never had a cocker flush in front of her so for her to do that I thought was pretty cool yeah. um she stood steady to flush and uh we were able to get the bird and I just thought that was like it was it was cool yeah we had a, a guy on a long time ago he's Ryglin gun dogs he runs yeah. cocker spaniels we had him on the podcast and i've watched a bunch of his videos and those things are just they're so it reminds you of just like a little spaz in the field yes. but they're very they're very smart at what they're doing but they're just the way they move so fast and like their little nub tails you know wiggling so fast and whatnot it's yeah crazy to even 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 in training like giving commands i feel like everything happens like that much quicker than it does with like a short hair because they're just all all the time like oh i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready (laughs) you know and you really got to be quick and also something um that i need to get better at is being calmer (laughs) when i am working her because i feel like i'm feeding off her energy and it makes me yeah. amped up I need to like bring it down and just really kind of calm down whenever I'm seeing her do things but she's she's a blast I love her I never thought I'm not a small dog person um I mean my house dog is my great bang yeah. so I uh I love big dogs but after seeing her mom hunt I was like I gotta have one that's like the funnest thing I've ever seen so yeah I think I think Nick was gonna say but the uh i can't remember the guy's name from raglan off the top of my head but he uh he'll have like three or four of them in the field and you'll have three of them walking at heel and then one's out there yeah. doing its thing and then it yeah. uh, once it gets a little tired he just like a rotation of them and i'm yep. like man that is just that's super cool that you know you can have them trained to that level to right just be fine walking while the other ones are working you know, and mm-hmm. not that's have exactly issues with it. Say. Yeah. I thought yeah. that that's just, and they, he's all whistle trained. He doesn't even, doesn't, don't have collars on him or anything. It's just all yeah. whistle. I'm like, man, that is he's that's a, super he's impressive. Was he a dentist or an optometrist? I think he's a dentist, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but I will, it is funny when you talk about like the no collar thing. It's funny, right? Because like on the pointing dog side of things, you know, people love their collars. I I love my collar too. I think it's a a very nice tool when used properly, right? Obviously, I'm not one to heavy hand a dog. I do personally like to train my dogs to do something in a positive way or a game, like play a game with them and then, and then put on you know, the, okay, you know what I've asked you to do. And if you don't do it, there will be consequences, right? Um, That positive negative pressure. But it's funny because you go on this, this flushing kind of spaniel side of things and they're very, don't, don't use anti-collars. Don't believe, yeah, very like anti-e-collar anything. 
Uh, so it is different. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to even just like hear people talk about collars on one end of things as opposed to the other. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a learning experience with her to go into those tests and seeing the different ways that people train. And, and I'm not saying that there's a, oh my gosh, there's a million different ways to skin a cat, right? So whatever works for someone is whatever works for someone. And I'm, I'm very, I still consider myself very new to all of this. So I do think it is kind of interesting from time to time to see how someone trains because you can pick up on things and then take them home and yeah. see yep. if they work for you. Yeah. Which I, I do enjoy that part of it. So it's just, uh, it's just different. They're just different worlds, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just like any retrieving to pointing to, you know, all the different tests that are out there and whatnot, you know, they all have their one-offs and different yeah. ways of doing things. And there's positives to negatives to probably all of them. I've never, I personally never ran a dog in any tests, just kind of watched them and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe my next one, I will just kind of depends on, like you said, I'm, I'm more of a, a hunt first instead yeah. of test. But I also think if, if you're going to do any sort of uh breeding or anything i think it's good to mm -hmm. test them to get that i think they need those titles you know as yeah just shows that they meet the minimum standards yeah. but like even if i had you know whatever dog it is next let's say it's a versatile dog and both both parents are ut tested or one's ut and one is one's in a i still want to see how the dogs hunt the field like absolutely for me that's I think that would help solidify like, all right, is this going to be the litter for me or is it not, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it, and that's like, it, and it's kind of nice that people, you know, it's kind of nice when they do have an, a social media presence or like a YouTube presence with those dogs. Cause you can see how they yes. work. Cause a lot of the, you know, the dogs that I'm, or the breeds that I'm interested in, <clears throat> there's none close to me, you know, so I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to travel 12 hours, you know, multiple times to see the dogs hunt. You know, I'd like to be like, Hey, can you send me some videos? Like something, yeah. you know, do you have any videos of this dog? Um, I think that, I think that really helps. And I think a lot of people would appreciate that too, but yeah. Maybe I mean, I think a you pain, should... pain in the ass tonight. My God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think you should <laughs> buy a dog from someone that hunts like you. I think that really, you know, I personally feel like there's, I know that there's a lot of people that get pretty caught up in their venue and the way that they run a test or how they feel like a dog should be. But you know, and some people like throw away, throw around the term meat dog, like it's a bad term. And I do feel like there is a, how do I say it? There's like a breeder for everyone type thing. Like, I think it takes different types of breeders to kind of make this bird dog world go around, right? Like it's not a one size fits all thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people that don't want their dog to be 20 yards, vice versa. There is older gentlemen that can't walk that far anymore, but they still get out and they still love it. And they just, they want a close ranging dog and that's how they want it. Or, you know, there's the guy that wants to see the dog 400 yards away on a hill. Yeah. And I think that that's, I don't see, you know, people get pretty caught up in, I don't know, like on social media or around a, you know, a bonfire at the end of a training day, drinking beer and everyone's like, oh, I want my dog to do this. Oh, you're, you know, that dog, the, this, this, and this. Well, I do feel like if you're going to buy a dog and this is just my personal experience from the things that I've learned how not to buy a dog, but I think <laughs> you should buy a dog from someone that hunts like you do, that wants a dog like you do, because initially what you're doing is if they want a dog, like you want a dog, then you should be getting what you want right it should all kind of click and come together yeah. um 
So I don't, I don't know. I feel like I feel weird talking about being a kennel because I don't consider myself, I haven't paid my dues yet and I want to pay my dues and I want to do things the right way as much as whatever the right way is. Right. And, um, I got a long way to go, but I've had fun in the process and I've met some great people. There are some like, hi, (laughs) she loves Um, the game. There are some, some great people like in the bird dog world. There's people that, that will lift you up, that will ask how your hunting trip went, that, you know, if you're in another state and you, you have broke down or need help, you know, it's funny because now we all have internet friends, right? And it's interesting to meet your internet friends or talk to your internet friends and see if they're full of shit, if it's all just like a show, right? If it's just pictures and videos and, you know, someone sitting their ass on a cooler, or if it's like, hey, do you really want to go walk 12 miles with me today? And like, you know, do you you really want to go on an adventure? Like, are you cool with the fact that we may not come home with birds? Are you cool with the fact that we're kind of learning this thing and and uh yeah i don't know it's just it's been a it's been interesting i love it yeah. yeah social media is it's good it's bad it's yeah it is you know, it's you know it is what you make o- it right? overall it's overall i always say it's ruining the world yeah. <laughs> ruining the world there you go Fuck yes it is yeah everybody thinks yep. everybody thinks they're dying you're getting monkey pox fucking yeah. every other damn thing yeah the world's coming to an end but if you turn it off, you don't I know do, any of it. I do miss so. I do miss the days when we didn't talk about like politics on Facebook. That was like the good days, oh, fuck. right? That's all there is now. So I do try to stray you, away from you were stuff probably, like that. You were probably just, one of those people on Facebook that would be like, "Hey, eating a nice meal tonight. Look at what I'm having." That's that's shrimp, me. That shrimp, was me, like <laughs> shrimp and but, shrimp and potatoes. <laughs> that was literally me three days ago. We had a we have a hot hot night with our kids, and it's like this boiling I, broth, you know. And you I do not have run in. Facebook. Just so everybody knows. Oh, that's, <laughs> that is so funny. Yes, that is totally me. Damn it, I'm posting my happy meals, all that good stuff. I uh, um, I just try to put the positive out there and not be absolutely. Yeah. I can't I can't handle it. So. I saw the the one story you shared that one of your friends must own a cattle ranch or something. Was that was uh, the, I shared that today on your story? May have been. So we own cows. We actually you guys do. Uh, Yep, we run a cow-calf operation. I posted a video that I took of just like the calves out in the field or um, my oh, daughter's. No, acknowledged. Oh, yeah, yeah. That quote on Instagram. Yeah, what is, are they just getting a bad rep of how they treat cattle so, or something? I mean, the ag industry as a whole is pretty. Um, so. The problem is, is the detach, right? There's so many people and I get, I I will tell you, you know, here I am being negative, but one of my pet peeves is when you have hunters that are like, I harvested my all organic meat and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, good for you. That's great. I also love my wild game, but I also like right now I'm staring out of a window at our cow calf operation. Yeah. And I come from an ag background. We raised um, commercial turkeys when I was a kid. And I've grown up in the cattle industry my whole life. It is like who I am. So I just get, you know, there's this, the term factory farm. It's all factory farming. Well, I mean, that's like such a weird term because like 90% of the farms owned in the U.S. are family farms. Some of them are just bigger than others. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with the size of your farm. And most of us, of course, you're going to have bad apples on every tree. But for the most part, all of us are, you know, we're here for our animal husbandry to make sure that we're taking care of our cattle and all of our other animals that are one day going to go in the food production line, right? Like, I'm not going to produce something that I'm not going to eat. You know, they say organic, and a lot of these, you know, like free-range chickens, they say they're organic. Well, 
<laughs> I, I was reading about that a while back. And it's not necessarily that they're organic. It's just a free-range chicken. It's I just mean, a free-range chicken. Say, yeah, they don't, they're not, yeah. That's, it's not necessarily yeah. it's an organic fucking chicken. And then if you <laughs> right. want, like, if you want organic, um, like, crops, it has to go through, yeah. what is it, 10 or 20 years of not having any pesticides or anything sprayed on it before it can be considered organic. So, I mean, you think about that like just within itself mm -hmm. come on come on folks <laughs> and then you well, want to be organic if you live in the midwest you're breathing in fucking roundup if you walk outside right now <laughs> yeah. so, oh, shit. every plane that flies over yeah so i will say i mean there is a, there's map a lot of 2000 sorry 2010 that just showed like all the pesticides within and it was yeah. in the mid midwest here it's just it's red meaning severe you're just breathing yeah. it in Every time you right. step outside, you know. So. But the other part of that, of the chemicals, I will say is, you know, we're sorry. I just saw a Cooper Hawk fly by, and I'm wondering if it's going to go eat my pigeon. It probably is. Oh. Anyway, I'm like the crazy pigeon lady now. <laughs> I got my homing pigeons. <laughs> home alone. Die. Uh, yeah, that's me. Just like out there feeding them every day. Um. Organic I don't know. Corn. I could get on my ag soapbox <laughs> for literally hours. You know, I do feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are out there, either marketing wise or media wise, that you hear and that you think, oh my gosh, it's bad. You know, oh oh, we're all gonna get you know cancer and die. But and then people are like, oh, monocropsis. Yes, one hundred percent. And I am still like conservation is still a big part of who I am also. So I do believe in fence rows. I do believe in, you know, riparian buffers. I do believe in all of these things. Um, at the other part, you know, mine and my husband's business is selling corn and soybeans. That's yep, absolutely. What, absolutely. That's what it is. But, you know, we have gotten better at ag. We've gotten better at using resources. We've gotten better at you know, now we have no-till. Um, we're not disking up the ground all the time. We're we're able to do so much more, you know, regenerative ag stuff yep. that I think it's it's all there, right? It it's all it's there, and we are feeding more people than we've ever had to feed before right. with less acres than we've ever had in the history of of the human race, which I think is. And that is incredible. Same. That's a yeah. lot of mouths to feed when you have less than 2% of the population that is feeding those mouths. Yep. Um, so I do think that that's part of it. And, you know, another part of it is like people talk about uh, hormone-free chicken and hormone-free beef. Well, guess what? If it's in the store, it's hormone-free. We can't send anything out there that has, like the hormone-free chicken thing. I love that. You cannot use hormones in chickens and you haven't been able to for years. So it's just a marketing thing. You're just paying for that marketing thing. Um, now on the certified organic stuff, those people do have to go through rigorous deals. There's like, yep. you know, certain things. Um, but we could go, we could go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> or you know, you know so way more than I do about it. I've, yeah. <laughs> a few little things that I've read. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. It's just interesting. You know, I just, I, I just have, I have the love for both, right? Like I, you know, I think in my stupid Instagram, whatever it is thing, the little bio, it's like my heart is on the farm, but my soul is in the woods. And it's like, it's very true because I love both. And I do think that both can live harmoniously. You know, it's just, there are some, some farms that yes, they're, they're taking out fence rows and they're, they're farming all the way up to the road. And I see stuff like that and it's pretty conflicting, right? Because I understand why they're doing it. But the other part of me is like, well, the birds need that, you know, yeah. the deer need that. The, the I think that's when you get into a little bit more of like the corporation yeah. farms, you know, they're just massive. And yeah, well, see, and I don't like that word either because there's not a lot of, I mean, there's, you, you do have your corporations, don't get me wrong, but like some of those corporations are family corporations. Yeah, and that's true. They're only a corporation for legal and financial stuff, right? But they're yeah. owned by a family. So it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I just, that's like kind of where my first love was. And yeah. then you know, my second love is conservation. And I do love 
I do love what Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever do with their um, with their farm, farm biologists. I think that is, it's just an amazing program that like here you have this resource and they will come in and they will help you, um, you know, with your farm or whatever question. Even our county extension office here, I live in Lawrence County and we have a great extension office. You could go in and you could ask them like, you know, hey, I've got this creek bed and it's eroding and I'm losing uh, you know, lose the field, what can I do? How do I put in a, a riparian buffer, um, silvo pasture? How do I, how do I do X, Y, and Z to kind of make that conservation connect with farming? You know, I think it's there. The resources are there. Um, there are just some people that are still stuck in their old ways, but I, as morbid as this sounds, those people won't be around forever, right? It's like the old men that run the bird dog world those guys won't be around forever. So who's going to be the next generation of on a pedigree and who's going to take the next step to like, you know, decide where a venue goes, where, yeah. where will the field trial world be in 10 years? Where will NAVDA be in 10 years? Um, you know, where is the, the entry point to all those two, right? Like I, I was reading an article the other day about how, you know, why field trials are, there's not the, the entry to get in is so expensive, right? Especially horseback because you're, you're putting on another component of that. Um, and testing is expensive. AKC testing, NAVDA, it, you know, I live four and a half hours away from my NAVDA uh, training or testing grounds and training grounds. Yep. So it's, it's a hike. All the AKC tests that I go to, they've all been in uh, like North Missouri. I've been out into Kansas for a, a few um, but I'm, I'm still driving four hours for everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it is yeah. expensive. And I, I do understand that it's not just about buying the dog that also costs you, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, it's also about like, okay, if you want to play this game, it's, you're going to have to fork it out. Yeah. You're going to have to fork it out. But <clears throat> yep. if it's your hobby and it's what you love, like the hunting I just feel like that's it, right? That's like what I want to do. Yeah. And so I don't, I'm not a shopper. I don't have a shoe upset. Well, I do. My husband would say I have a shoe obsession, but most of them are boots. Okay. So there's that. I, I should have never said that. But like, you know, my, my I feel wife, like there's. You go in and she owns yeah. 75, 85% of the closet. <laughs> I have nothing to wear. Nothing like, to oh wear. my God. Uh, yeah. Like, what, the, what the fuck is all this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got like, I got like four shirts that I wear the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like, you know, people, people have hobbies, right? And this is my hobby. This is yeah. it's like what, and, and my yeah. husband and I share in it. Um, we somehow get along and love each other in it all you know and it's it's fun it's a good time and i cannot wait for the day that i can take my girls out with me it's, i'm just yeah. I'm so excited for that so for sure yeah. so, Maya. awesome well that was a really good conversation um uh, sorry to get off on the farm tangent uh, oh no it's okay but <laughs> no I, I thought it was really good like you said it's it, it can t definitely be a touchy subject you know just with yeah there's good farming practices, bad farming practices, just with any other practice, you know? And, um, so if you want, if you have time, can you give us your possum story before we jump off? Oh, my possum story. Oh God. Okay. So I'm a mom of two beautiful little girls. And while I used to be able to tear it up in college, uh, I am kind of lightweight anymore and I don't get out much anymore because you know the farm and the dogs. So 4th of July weekend rolled around and mama went to the river. And I, I'm a beer drinker by heart. I don't usually drink anything else but beer, but I decided to buy some rum and uh, it just hits different, you know? You just, just, you just start feeling your oats. And so I- Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> came home from the river and I still needed to do chores. I needed to feed my birds. And my husband actually built me a coon trap inside my pigeon coop. So like if they try to get in, there's like, it's like built into the wall. And sure enough, there was a possum in the coon trap in the pigeon coop. 
And because I had been partaking in libations most of the day, I just opened it up and I grabbed him and I <laughs> thought, you know Jesus. what, little guy, I'm just going to go take you out here and set you free because I'm feeling good. I was in a good mood and I set him free. And by God, if I didn't come back the next day, uh, sober this time, and uh, it was not a boy possum, it was a girl possum, and she decided to have all of her babies in my coon trap, so oh. that is it. the story. Uh, she, there was like little possum, little, little naked possum babies everywhere. Oh my God. Did that you dispatch fun. them? I don't have the heart to kill baby animals so I had to come inside and I had to tell my husband to take care of it and I don't know what happened all I know is they were not in there when I went back the next day to feed so I'm not sure what he did I don't want to know that is a good story (laughs) so damn possums they are some ugly creatures Mm. they yeah have you ever held one it's weird no (laughs) i say as far away as possible start hissing i mean they play yeah you you probably got some kind of disease now i probably do (laughs) i probably do there's there's no telling (laughs) awesome well chrissy we appreciate coming on the podcast tonight it's great conversation love the stories um hope to see some more from the some kennel and the knob to testing and some of your Thank hunting you. trips this year up in montana and south dakota so yeah good luck um Thank yeah you. Nice you guys luck. Too. enjoy running the good dogs and yeah. yeah i'm hoping he does okay we'll <laughs> he good. will he'll be good um, he looks like a winner i'm i'm, I'm nervous about it it's my first pointer so i'm kind of like ah, yeah. but it'll yeah. be good at least he ain't getting next let it happen. <laughs> I will. Just let, it, let him go at it. Yeah. So well, awesome. It was great talking to you guys. Yeah. Yep. Sorry about my uh, being in and out. I was listening the whole time, but I just. No, it's good. You, you got your hands full, to literally. Take care of. Yeah, you do. I like it. I like it. So. Keeping them entertained. That's that's straight dad right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> put, a, put a movie on. Why would we watch that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, never. <laughs> yeah, this is a better movie watching us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, awesome. But well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, you have a good rest of your night. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Bye.